Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? It's Rich. My Take Radio episode 147 for Thursday, July 19th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. If you want to leave any messages on our feedback line, that's 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. All right, let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, first off, something that I kind of forgot to mention last week is that on July 9th, it marked three years that we've been broadcasting via Blog Talk Radio. So MTR has officially crossed the three-year mark. I'm very proud of the accomplishment. I mean, we've had our ups and downs broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio, but nonetheless, it's allowed us to reach such a huge audience. So I'm very proud of the milestone. I'm glad to have reached three years, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have reached three years and hopefully we got three years more. We're going to keep delivering you some kick-ass content, uh, video games, movies, MMA, wrestling, comics, technology. We're going to do, we're going to do a lot of crazy stuff in the coming weeks. We're working with some really talented and awesome individuals, including, um, a brand new sponsor for our gaming segment, which you'll be learning more about them in a little bit. And also we're going to be doing some stuff with them starting in August. In addition to that, of course, we got a ton of content on MyTakeRadio.com. Lots of great, great engagement on the fan page. I'm glad so many of you are commenting, sharing your thoughts on so many of the the things that we post. As always, if there's stuff you want us to reference or mention on the fan page just to see what people say, drop us a line, um, especially on the fan page because it's not just me running the fan page, but also Slick and Andrea are there, and they're going to be able to lend a hand where needed just to move the conversation, the conversation along. We're still working out some bugs with the multi admin section of Facebook. But other than that, the page is running. Well, definitely got to welcome a lot of our new fans. Um, We're almost at the 5,000 mark. Very proud of that as well. I'm glad so many of you enjoy tuning in every week and um, more engagement 
more commentary. It's always great. I love hearing from you guys. Um, you know, I beat you guys up on air, but as always, I, I enjoy shooting the shit with you guys, especially on the fan page. Like I said, a lot of new people sharing their thoughts on stuff, so I'm very glad. We're also getting um, just brand new listeners from so many unique countries. I saw that we have listeners in the Philippines now, France, Sri Lanka, got a couple in Russia. So it's great that we are expanding internationally. I'm, I'm so glad to see that. Uh, as always, especially for our international listeners, um, if English is not your strong suit, you know, send send me a message via the Facebook fan page or something, just saying hello, introducing yourselves. Um, it just helps me become better acquainted with the audience, and I just like hearing from you guys. Um, a couple of other things as well. As I mentioned, um, we have a new sponsor for the gaming segment that you'll you'll start hearing more about them August first. Um, it is a gaming company called Creaction. Uh, definitely look them up on Facebook. Uh, a lot of talented people there. They're working on an RPG for the PC, and we're going to be talking about that uh, starting with our August 2nd episode. But definitely check out Creaction. Show your support. Like I said, they're going to be one of our sponsors for the gaming segment going forward. And very, very talented group of people over there, and I'm very glad to have them part of the MTR family. So we're going to be pulling the trigger on that, like I said uh, for the August 2nd episode of MTR, which will be 148. Um, MTR 149, of course, will be August 9th, and the big 150 will be August 16th. So mark that on your calendar, MTR 150, August 16th. We're going to try and do a lot of awesome stuff for that episode. Starting with episode 150 going forward, you're also going to be able to subscribe to the show via RSS on the website. We're going to start doing that just to give people that visit the site another way to subscribe to episodes besides the player, which we have there for the blog talk radio feed, which by the way, I posted a walkthrough a couple of days back. Well, I'd say about a week or two back um, for some of our new listeners that want to listen to the live show and get involved in the chat. Please make sure to check out that video so you can get better acquainted with the blog talk radio service and Make it make it something of a habit, especially if you want to contribute in the chat during the live shows. Um, we're going to be making a couple of site tweaks also within the next couple of weeks. Um, we're also going to start accepting guest posts. Um, if you've seen over the last couple of months, there's been a couple of sporadic guest posts from some people. Um, there's some people that we have content partnerships with that are going to be posting with us also on the regular, but also people out there that are interested in maybe submitting one or two opinion pieces that don't want to become part of the staff, but you know, have some great writing uh, potential or maybe part of some other sites and want their work to be seen. Um, you're welcome to submit it. We're going to set up a guest posting application with what you guys want to write about. Uh, note a word of warning off the bat. Uh, please do not post the same thing with us that you post with another site. That's one of the things that we will definitely not be cool with. Um, on the contrary, I will delete a post without zero hesitation. Um, not something I want to do, but I want to try and expand and, and let people uh, share their content with us. So be on the lookout for that as well. And if you're interested in submitting, make sure to fill out the application, which will probably go live this weekend. Next month, we are going to be doing something with our partners at Unveil. It's going to be a fighting tournament. It's going to be taking place at John Jay College. That's going to be happening August 18th. As we get closer to that date, I will be sharing more and more details with you. Um, we're going to be there, as will our partners from Unveil, Noel Brown. Um, 
a lot of great a lot of great talent is going to be there playing Street Fighter Arcade Edition, Marvel versus Capcom 2. There's going to be some giveaways. There may be also an event after there may be an after party after the event. So be on the lookout for news regarding that uh, coming in the coming weeks as well. I also wanted to acknowledge those of you that are listening to the show via Stitcher. I appreciate it very much. Just a quick reminder, stitcher.com forward slash my take. You enter that my take promo code and you'll be entered to win $100 courtesy of Stitcher. All right. We got no guests this week. Just wanted to do a regular show. But I will tell you, we got a ton of new content on MyTakeRadio.com, including trailers for the Deadpool game, uh, the Spartacus game, which is coming out from Ubisoft, as well as the final season of Spartacus, which is War of the Damned. We got trailers for that on the site. Uh, Harakiri, which is from from Takashi Miike, um, big fan of his work. Be on the lookout for some stuff regarding that film in the near future. Um, Oz the Great and Powerful, which is Disney and Sam Raimi's vision of the Wizard of Oz. We put up a trailer for that. Slick should be posting a trailer for The Amazing Spider-Man later on this evening. And, of course, be on the lookout for the Dark Knight Rises reviews from Slick and myself over the weekend as well. If you're using the My Take Radio app, make sure to check out the My Take Radio Behind the Mic interview we did with Srini Rao from Blogcast FM. Um, Srini was kind enough to take some time out of his busy schedule to let us interview him for behind the mic. Um, the Blogcast FM series, as well as the website is a great educational tool for those of you that want to get into whether it's blogging, podcasting, vidcasting, and Srini actually interviews a lot of great luminaries from all these fields, sharing their techniques, their tips, and also just lots of great advice that can help you expand on either your blogging career, your podcast, your vidcast career, and just open your eyes up also to just new products and services that are out there. So be on the lookout for that interview from Srini. If you haven't heard it already, I recommend you do, especially if you're interested in starting a podcast or possibly a blog and and you want to just look at some other people for guidance. Like I said, he interviewed so many great and talented people. Uh, He deserved to be put in the interview seat this time. So that's going to be available on the MTR app, and we we will be publishing that review, on, well, that interview, excuse me, on the site over over the weekend as well. That's going to be released to the general public. All right, here's what we got on tap for tonight. We're going to talk about Money in the Bank. We got Strike Force. We got Raw, TNA. We got your wrestling news. We got some gaming news as well. Uh, we got a ton of movie news and. Um, Rather than beat around the bush, I wanted to get into this particular bit of news first as part of the monologue for this week. I was going to save it for the movie segment, but it's just it just can't be ignored. And this involves uh, one of my favorite blowhard broadcasters, that being Rush Limbaugh, who took it upon himself to say that the Dark Knight Rises is using the character of Bane to... Use that as a connection to Mitt Romney and his shady dealings with Bain Capital. He is saying that that's that that's the hidden message behind the film. And look, the whole reason why I'm bringing this up is twofold because The Dark Knight Rises is part of the monologue on both fronts. First off, Rush Limbaugh is a blowhard and an idiot. Sometimes, you know, you want to be a pundit and you want to say stuff that gets you in the news. And other times you're just a complete fucking dummy. And in this particular instance, he is one of them. It's, um, 
the way it's written out, and pretty much I'll give you I'll give you an excerpt which was posted on the uh, blogs.indiewire.com in the section called the playlist, which kind of sums it all up. Picking up on the thread first suggested quite lamely by the Washington Examiner, Rush Limbaugh believes that Barack Obama's campaign is using Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises to confuse soft-brain Americans by trying to make a connection between Bain and and Mitt Romney's shady dealings with Bain Capital. Nefarious is pretty much how he how he described it. Now, here's the crazy thing. Movies and politics rarely go together. And if there, if there is for some reason a hidden message in there, it probably was not intentional. It, it was just convenient. Not only that, but the Bane character has existed well before Bane Capital, Mitt Romney, all of that shit. So I really doubt that Barack Obama's going to dig in his treasure chest of ideas to reference... Uh, the Bane character as being something that ties into Mitt Romney's dealings with Bane Capital. I think that it is something stupid. It is something that is completely off base. And Rush Limbaugh is just a fucking moron. The other thing I wanted to discuss regarding The Dark Knight Rises, of course, is what's been in the news this week regarding negative reviews of The Dark Knight Rises on Rotten Tomatoes and ravenous fans pretty much just going ape shit in the comments section, threatening writers, uh, trolling writers terribly. Here, here's the here's the thing on, on this particular situation. When you put all work on the internet, whether it's print, video, audio, you're going to be subject to tremendous criticism. Sometimes it'll be criticism that is good for you. Sometimes it's blatant trolling. Other times it's just blatant, vicious treatment of your work. And there's a right and there's a right and a wrong way to do stuff like that. Look, you can't change the way the internet behaves itself. You can't. It's impossible. But I also have to look at it from the standpoint that not everybody is gonna like a particular movie or a particular album or a particular game. Hell, Slick and I, Slick and I have been friends for years, and we don't always agree on the same shit. Whether it's games, movies, whatever, music clothes it doesn't matter we don't agree but we are you know adult enough to respect each other's opinions sometimes we'll break each other's balls for fun but it's never along the lines of something malicious same thing applies to the rest of our staff you know we joke around some of us don't like the other others interests and and we have some good laughs but it's never anything that is vicious now with regards to the dark knight Maybe it was a troll job from the reviewer saying, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say this movie shitty because I can't stand that it's 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe the guy had legitimate gripes. I mean, I read one of the reviews from one of the people actually that was interviewed on Frotcast from our friends at Film Drunk. And, you know, the guy had some legitimate I wouldn't say legitimate, but he had some some decent arguments as to why he felt the way he did. He also shared on the Frotcast some of the death threats that he got now. You know you got way too much fucking time on your hands when you are threatening to murder a movie a movie reviewer. It it is ridiculous. I understand that you're a fan and you're a hardcore fan and that's fine. But you're willing to put yourself in a bind, in a legal bind threatening somebody physically with with really really terrible shit like I'm going to set your house on fire or I'm going to come to your house and kill you. You know, I hope your family dies in a car wreck. Just just terrible shit. 
people need to accept the fact that sometimes trolling isn't the cool thing to do. If the shit sucks, then either hit X and leave the browser, or write a comment that doesn't make you sound like a complete basement-dwelling virgin, and move the fuck on. It's, it's really depressing to see that. I understand. I mean, there's a lot of shit that I comment on on the internet that I don't like, but I also remember that I'm a representative not only of the show, but just of my brand, and I conduct myself accordingly. People don't realize that a lot of these comments and shit, even though you hide behind aliases, it's not going to take much to get your real name. In addition to that, all of that is going to be indexed on the web. So if you're using hate speech, death threats, all that shit, and you think for one second that it's conveniently going to be swept under the internet rug, you are out of your fucking mind. It's not going to happen. And who knows, a year or two from now, you're going to go for a job interview, and maybe you said something that was um, negative towards African Americans, and you go for an interview, and they do a background check, they check you out on the web, and they're like, hey, were you, you know... Darth Ball 72 in XYZ forum. Um, maybe. Well, according to what came up here, it said that you said that, you know, this particular actor, you know, something, something negative because he's black. Oh, but that was years ago. And what does that mean? You see what I'm saying? Like people forget that the Internet, it's, it's a tool. It's great for so many things. It's a tool to make money. It's a tool to make friends, but it's also a tool to ruin one's own career. It's, it's ridiculous. If you don't like the fucking movie, you don't like the movie. Say why you don't like it, but, but have some tact. Have a little grace about it. I come on air sometimes and I say a movie's a steaming pile of shit. But if somebody calls in and they disagrees with me, you know, maybe I'll have a little fun with them and I'll break their balls, but they disagree. I mean, we've joked about that on air numerous times. I found it in poor taste, some of the shit they did. And Rotten Tomatoes, they, they're like, look, we're going to suspend our comments. Then I heard they were going to switch to Facebook comments, which is a separate animal all its own because using Facebook comments, obviously you're using your real name, your real photo. So that's twice as bad. And you know what? There are some guys that don't even give a shit about that and just say terrible and and dangerous things that may be considered... Um, illegal in 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 some in some statutes i mean it's it's just terrible look if you don't like the shit you don't but don't be a complete baby about it seriously all you're doing is yelling into the cloud of the internet and maybe you'll get a couple of laughs maybe you'll get under somebody's skin briefly but you'll be forgotten the minute that that person hits x unless it's something particularly terrible i mean this guy some of the that the death threats that he got were were borderline psychotic, like motherfuckers like, yeah, I'm going to come to your house and fucking slit your throat while you're sleeping. And then after I slit your throat, I'm going to fucking stab you in the face. Like crazy stuff. Like I understand being a diehard. I really do. But come on. It's insane. Get your shit together, people. Seriously, if you don't like something, share your opinions tastefully and move the fuck on. Otherwise, people are just going to think you're nuts. And not only that, but you're going to Add to the negative stigma of nerds as it is, because most times when when nerds have something to say and they're passionate about it and and geek culture kind of rises up about something, the media just looks at us like, you know, like basement dwelling, fat, potato chip eating, Red Bull and Mountain Dew drinking pieces of shit. And so many of us are, you know, professionals. We have real jobs, real careers, and we're just passionate about our stuff. But A couple of apples are just going to paint that picture terribly. Again, you're going to go see The Dark Knight this weekend. You like it? Great. You don't like it? Hey, that's cool too. But just, just don't be a complete jerk job about it. Simple as that.
All right. Let's talk some MMA because there's quite a few things that went down this week, especially on the Strike Force front, and I want to share my thoughts on it, and I definitely want to talk a little bit about wrestling because there's a lot of stuff going on leading up to Raw 1000. Let's get the ball rolling. So we actually had the Strike Force event this past weekend. The middleweight title was on the line. It was Luke Rockhold taking on Tim Kennedy. On the co-main event was the debut of Nate Marquardt taking on Tyron Woodley. We also had Robbie Lawler and Lorenz Larkin and Keith Jardine and Hodger Gracie. Not only that, but we also had a fantastic prelim card that was shown on Showtime Extreme, which was capped off with an amazing submission victory by Jason High on Nate Moore, which I was very impressed with. But... The crazy thing leading into this event that really bogged, really just boggled my mind was the fact that the promotion for this event was minimal. I mean, really minimal. Like, as an MMA fan, we really had to look for coverage on this. We didn't see any specials. We didn't really see too many commercials. We didn't see anything mentioned uh, extremely often during UFC events last week. It was kind of like, yeah, we got the Strike Force event. Yeah, the middleweight title's on the line. You know, you can check it out if you want. I really felt that one of the problems with Strike Force, and I'll address this also later on in the segment, is the fact that there's there's a wealth of talent, but there's not enough talent. The pool is not as deep as it should be. You know, you have your middleweight division, you got your lightweight division, you got those guys there, you have the ladies as well that put on great performances, but the talent pool has been rated so much that a lot of the guys coming in, it almost feels like you're watching them fight two or three times, it feels like a, like the repeat of a TV show because you're not getting uh, those fresh fights and you're not getting introduced to fresh faces. Like I felt like when I watched the card that Keith Jardine fought like yesterday or last week, same thing with Robbie Lawler. But one of the things I do have to admit about this Strike Force card was that it was extremely entertaining. Um, they had some really, really amazing fights. The prelims were enjoyable as well. Um, the Robbie Lawler-Lorenz Larkin fight, was fantastic. It was a great coming out party for Lorenz Larkin, uh, dropping weight, um, fighting at at middleweight now. And I was very impressed. I mean, he came down and he had tremendous uh, power still. He had great footwork. And he really put the pressure on Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, as usual, coming in just throwing heat, uh, looking for the KO, looking for just the murder-death kill. And it was an exciting fight from start to finish. I felt that Lorenz Larkin, it was... uh, Great coming out party at the middleweight in the middleweight division. He's 12 and 0 now. It was originally 12 and 1 with his fight with King Mo, but due to Mo's suspension, it got ruled a no contest. So Lorenz Larkin on paper is undefeated. Very enjoyable fight. I was very impressed with his performance. I mean, Lorenz Larkin began his camp at 230 and made the 180 pound weight, the 185 pound weight limit. He did his thing and, and he held his own. And I think 185 is a good weight for him. And he can definitely do some damage. Another middleweight fight that really impressed was Hodger Gracie and Keith Jardine. I really expected this to be a fight that would end a little quickly, especially with Hodger Gracie's great jiu-jitsu background. But Keith Jardine always comes in there ready to scrap. And that's exactly how it went down. I mean, Hodger Gracie opened up Keith Jardine like a fucking can opener. Blood everywhere. But a great performance on the striking from Jardine. I mean, from Hodger Gracie. Jardine, as always, he... He was definitely a game opponent 
in this fight. He looked really good. Um, but again, Hodger Gracie, world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm surprised he wasn't able to secure himself a submission victory. Um, he wasn't happy because, obviously, Keith Jardine was bleeding all over the place, which makes it very difficult to lock in submissions. It's pretty much like trying to triangle choke an eel at that point because there's all the blood, all the sweat, and it doesn't allow you to get good joint locks or good chokes in. So, definitely, Hodger Gracie even acknowledged that he was not happy with that post-fight. But again, another enjoyable fight on that card. Tyron Woodley and Nate Marquardt was exciting from start to finish. T. Wood came in 10-0 and undefeated fighting the veteran. Nate Marquardt, I, I could have sworn I said Nate Quarry if I did. I'm correcting myself. It was Nate Marquardt. Um, very enjoyable fight. Both guys definitely tested each other's chins at different points, knocking each other down, trying to go in for the kill. But at the end, it was Nate the Great coming in with a vicious knockout in round four. Ended up catching, they ended up clinching at one point. And he um he catches T Wood with a big jab on a really beautiful combination and then another right cross to set things up. And then he actually got him against the cage and threw a disgusting elbow, which I think was the elbow that really knocked T Wood out. It um opened up a huge gash above his upper lip. And as he was falling, Keith Jardine I mean Keith Jardine, uh Nate Marquardt just peppered him with strikes on the way down. By the time T. Wood hit the mat, he probably got hit at least five or six more times. An outstanding performance from Nate the Great. I was super pumped, um, not only because he's a good fighter, but because it's almost it's a rebirth for him in Strike Force, a rebirth for him at 170, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a great career for him, especially if he's able to get as many great challengers as is to be expected. I mean, T. Wood is one, but hopefully they'll throw some more guys down there that can pose a challenge at 170. Lastly, the middleweight championship bout between Rockhold and Kennedy. Um, I it was it was okay. I kind of felt it dragged on a bit. I think Luke Rockhold wasn't prepared for Tim Kennedy being as durable as he was, which was a factor in itself. But I also felt that Tim Kennedy just couldn't close the distance with Rockhold's reach. Rockhold, of course, continues to call out Anderson Silva for the super fight, which I like Luke Rockhold. He fights good. He's he's pretty good to watch, but dude. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I think at this stage, Anderson Silva, you've only had uh, a total of nine fights. You know, you've had ten fights. You're nine and one. Come on, don't don't get crazy. Don't get yourself killed. Not yet. Anderson Silva is 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 right up there right now. He he has nobody that can touch him. And you're a champion, yeah, for Strike Force, and it's good. And you have uh, tremendous credentials. You're a great athlete, but I I don't think you're ready for that fight. Nonetheless, Luke Rockhold retained, and um, it was a, it was a good performance from Tim Kennedy. I like Tim Kennedy. Um, I feel that he would be a great asset in the UFC as well. It's crazy because what happens with Rockhold now? Maybe you know, maybe a rematch with uh, Jacare, maybe. And yeah, you'll get that rematch, and it's cool. You know, everybody's kind of kind of down with that. But hey, I don't think I don't think he's at that stage where he can go just calling out Anderson Silva. Again, that's my personal opinion. And of course, we got um, Strike Force next month, Ronda Rousey defending her belt um, against Sarah Kaufman, who was the former champion. So it, a great night of fights from Strike Force, regardless of the poor promotion. I really enjoyed it. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Strike Force, which we're going to discuss towards the end of the segment due to some comments that Dana White made. Um, one crazy thing I did want to discuss was the fact that once you look at the Strike Force card, you realize that 
if you broke down their roster, almost all of their marquee fighters, with the with a few exceptions, are UFC bound. I mean, Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier, probably he's gonna do the one more. He's got one more fight, I believe, in Strike Force. Then he's probably either gonna re up with Strike Force to stay there for the time being until obviously the Showtime deal is done. But Daniel Cormier is a a, a, a shoe in to fight in the UFC, definitely. Uh, Josh Barnett, I'm hoping, is also UFC bound. I think he has a tremendous upside. Uh, great marketable guy at heavyweight. Can pose, he can pose some really interesting matches, um, some interesting matchups. I think he's a, he's a guy that would excel fighting in the UFC as well. But um, like I said, Dana White's going to shed some light on that since it's fight week. You know, there's going to be a lot of news coming out. And that's one of the things that he was asked about. And I'll get into that later on in the segment. First thing I do want to discuss in MMA news this week, obviously besides the fact that My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse, you want to get all those great walkout shirts that your favorite MMA fighters wear, along with any training gear, including rash guards, kick pads, um, the works, make sure to check out our friends at MMAWarehouse.com, and you can pick up the gear there. Um, One of the items you definitely may want to check out is Forrest Griffin's walkout shirt with the monkey. I actually thought that shirt was very cool, so if you do want to grab that shirt and you're a Forrest Griffin fan, head over to MMAWarehouse.com. On the news front, first thing that jumped out this week that just boggled my mind is that Dave Batista announced his first professional MMA fight, which is set for October. TMZ reported that it'll be happening October 6th, and it's being promoted by a, a promotion known as CES. He's going to be fighting a fighter by the name of Rashid Evans, not Rashad Rashid in a heavyweight fight as of right now it appears that the card is going to be televised this fight practically takes place almost two years after Batista said that he was going to go into MMA after leaving WWE he was originally scheduled to fight for Strike Force, but that fizzled out when the UFC when well when Zufa bought Strike Force. he has since then opened an MMA gym in Florida he's doing some acting he also posted it on Twitter he said I'm making my MMA debut August 6th and he goes, boom, there's the announcement. Sorry, haters. couple of things regarding that. Dave Batista, I believe, is in his 40s. Not to discount the fact that he's probably a, a, a very good athlete. But you're coming into this sport brand new in your 40s. I understand, you know, you're not Randy Couture. You're not some of these older guys. You're not Hendo. You're not these legends of the sport that can fight into their 40s and deliver exciting fights and still hang. You are coming in practically new. And remember a couple of months back, we were joking about the fact that he's training, I believe, two times a week um, in BJJ. So let's say he's not, and he's training a full, doing a full training camp, getting ready. I don't think that his body's going to be able to hold up to the rigors of that kind of training. Not only that, but, you know, I've seen pictures of him lately. He's cut a decent amount of weight, whether he's juicing or not. That's a story for another day, but... I think that his involvement in mixed martial arts, I understand he wants to grow the sport. He wants to help in that, in that growth. And that's fine. But I just feel that him going in there and trying his hand at MMA is just begging for disappointment and injury above all else. I mean, Rashid Evans, yeah, he has a a, a pretty decent record from what I've seen. But again, some people are saying that that the guy's a can. I don't think so. I think anybody that goes into the cage on any day of the week has the potential to whoop some ass, but I'm just worried that Batista is going to be biting off more than he can chew with regards to an MMA career full time. I mean, 
You look at a guy like Herschel Walker that had great performances in Strike Force. Older gentleman. You don't see Dana White as much as he as it was great to see him fight in Strike Force. You don't see Dana White saying, "Hey, man, we're going to sign Herschel. He's going to fight a couple of fights." That's not the way the shit works. I don't. I really am concerned for Batista's well being, regardless of the fact that he's never fought. But he's just like I said, in an age where injuries can end careers quickly. And yeah, sure, he can act and all that. But if he has any potential of going back into the ring for WWE or TNA or any promotion, and he sustains any really legit injuries that hamper that, he's going to shoot, he's basically shooting himself in the foot. But the guy insists on getting into the cage. We're going to see what happens October 6th. We'll see if he ends up being a bloodstain on the mat or if it's the beginning of a promising career for the former WWE champion. Some news that actually was discussed quite at uh, extremely at length on Inside MMA with uh, Tito Ortiz a while back was that Forrest Griffin was the sixth fighter that was granted a therapeutic exemption for testosterone replacement therapy. Um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission confirmed that, and um, they revealed that Griffin got the exemption in advance of his fight with Tito Ortiz at UFC 148. Um, as it stands right now, Griffin beat Ortiz, which we know, in the retirement match via unanimous decision. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing about testosterone replacement therapy. And I've talked about this at length, and uh, I, I really want to try and get somebody who's well-versed in TRT to speak on air about it. But when you're, when you're a fighter, and even when you're an athlete, your your testosterone levels for un, unless it's it's medically something you suffer from most guys are 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 good to go with testosterone until the age of 40 after the age of 40 i've heard you know the the, the your test levels drop and you know guys guys lose their edge that's something i've heard again i'm not a medical professional but usually having testosterone you know you, you got that killer instinct uh you have a good libido and all that stuff. And guys like Forrest Griffin, Chael Sonnen, make of it what you will, whether it's legitimate or not legitimate. I just feel that TRT is something that's kind of a gray area and it may be affecting performances. I mean, it might. You might. It might be helping fighters train harder to get stronger, to put more power behind their punches. I mean, make a, make, you know, make a case for it if you will. But it's something that requires more research. I see all these exemptions all the time. You know, Shane Roller, Todd Duffy, Hendo, Frank Mir, Chael Sonnen. They've all received exemptions for TRT. And um, Director Kaiser confirmed that that Griffin's test levels were checked post-fight and were within allowable limits. Now, the thing about that is, is that if you're already testing to see if they're within allowable limits... Why not just not have the exemption, but remind fighters that their test levels need to be at a certain rate? That way, there's really no there's no um, conspiracy when news of TRT gets out because it's something that says, "Hey, you know, my test levels were below the the acceptable levels, and I had to get some TRT to balance out." And that's fine. And in in most circles, especially in in circles where guys are juice heads. Usually your testosterone level needs to level out after you do a cycle and you want to get yourself back to normal. Um, that's something that in the old high school gym days and, and, and training hardcore when I was younger, that was stuff that, that guys would always talk about and they would, and they would impart in uh, what I like, what's, what's termed nowadays as bro science. Like, dude, you know, make sure 
if you're doing the D ball that, you know, you get yourself uh, some Novadex or something to make sure that your, you know, your excess testosterone doesn't become estrogen and you don't get boobies and blah, 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 all kinds of fucking bro science on display. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but I would like to get somebody on air within the next, within the next few weeks to really just talk about TRT at length, because like I said, it's such a gray area. And if it's really impacting some of these guys performances to where they are performing better, then there is definite performance enhancing going on and the uh athletic commissions are letting it slide so definitely something that needs to be looked into further in some other ufc news joe benavidez and demetrius mighty mouse johnson's fight for the uh excuse me for the flyweight title is going down uh, ufc 152 that's going to be september 22nd in toronto uh make sure to check that out it's going to be on pay-per-view prelims will be on fx and on Facebook. I had a little bit of a brain fart there, mid-yawn to boot, so uh, definitely not a good move for the kid. In some other UFC news, Donald Cerrone is going to be taking on Melvin Gallardo UFC 150. They're saying that's going to be the co-main event for that show. That's going to be happening August 11th in Denver. The main event, of course, is Ben Henderson uh, defending his belt against Frankie Edgar in the rematch. Definitely pumped for the cerrone Gillard fight. Both guys are going to go in there, stand and bang for sure. Donald Cerrone, great, great striking. Melvin Gillard is just searching for his place in the division, and I think he's going to try and make a statement with the Cowboy, and I'm, I'm ready for fireworks. Those two guys are going to fucking kill each other, and I am definitely pumped for it. A fighter who we hadn't heard about in a couple of months, Anthony Rumble Johnson, actually mentioned to MMA Junkie that he is moving to light heavyweight. Uh, starting starting immediately, he's going to be doing 205. Um, I think part of the reason was, and he talked about this with Ariel Helwani, was the fact that his body just wasn't letting him cut the weight. Um, we are we know that Rumble has experienced tremendous tremendous issues cutting weight in all the weight classes he's competed at. Uh, right now, he's at 205. He said that you know he usually walks around 215, so he can cut those the, those 10 pounds, those you know 10 or 11 pounds with zero problem. I really hope Rumble gets himself together. I think hopefully his body's leveled out and he's at a comfortable fighting weight. I do have to agree with the assessment that your body does tend to kind of protect itself when you're constantly fluctuating in weight, especially when you're a fighter because you go through so much through so many different uh training cycles to cut weight whether it's sitting in the sauna or riding the airdyne or riding the airdyne in the sauna or running in the sauna suit or you know just curbing your diet drinking distilled water there's so many things that you have to do to your body to alter its chemistry to drop all that weight that I'm sure it definitely is detrimental to fighters down the road i mean when i was in high school we used to do competitive weightlifting and at the time i think i was probably lifting at 205 or so and I remember I got weight on the scale, and I think I was about 216, 217. And my coach at the time, his name was Mr. Nugent. He's like, listen, he goes, you need to be at 205 within, I think it was two weeks. And I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, look, you need to start doing some jogging, wear, go to Models, buy this plastic, they, he called it the plastic bag jumpsuit. Throw that on, you're going to sweat a lot. Uh, go for a run in that, you know, start changing your diet over the next couple of days. He was like, you know, lay off the rice and beans and 
make sure you come in and and you're at weight for the event. So it, by the time I got there, I did make 205, but I just hated myself. Hated myself. It was just like, here, have this salad. Oh, dressing? What the fuck is that? That's not going on the salad. No salt. Um, eating spinach and grilled chicken. It was ridiculous. No kind of condiments whatsoever. Distilled water. Lots of sweating. And I can guarantee you that if I tried to do that now, I'd probably be dead at 32 years old. Only because I don't think the body can just take that. Especially as you get up in age. So hopefully Rumble gets his shit together and he makes an impact at 205. The guy's a great striker, awesome wrestling, and I'd like to see him back in the UFC. I think he can pose a a legit threat in 205, definitely. In some other UFC news, Joe Lazan is going to be meeting former WEC champion Jamie Varner for UFC on Fox 4. Uh, The main event, that's going to be happening August 4th. The main event for that card, Shogun taking on Brandon Vera, and the co-main event, Ryan Bader taking on Lyoto Machida. Awesome fights. Travis Brown will be meeting Ben Rothwell. And the prelims are going to be on Fuel TV. Nam fans on that card. Matt Mitrione, Demarcus Johnson, Mike Swick, Ronnie Yaya, Josh Grisby, uh, Manny Gambirian, Omigawa. Uh, definitely an awesome card for free TV. That's going to be in August. Uh, the date is going to be August 4th. And that'll be for the UFC on Fox 4. Last bit of MMA news to wrap things up. Josh Koscheck will be meeting welterweight Jake Ellenberger at UFC 151. Rumored to be the co-main event for that uh, behind John Jones and Dan Henderson. Um, I think that Ellenberger and Koscheck are going to have an awesome fight. Those guys both like to scrap. They got great wrestling. Super pumped. I'm, I'm really excited to see Hendo drop the H-bomb on John Jones. I like Jones, but... Come on, man. You guys know Love Pride Fighting Championships. Got to support Hendo. He, he may come in there, man, and, and just drop the hammer and put John Jones on his ass. We shall see. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the segment, Dana White promoting UFC 149 this week. They were asking him about the Strike Force roster and what's going to be the deal with them going forward. He said that the, that the strike, fighters on the Strike Force roster while likely not remaining there, will stay put as long as Showtime is broadcasting their events. He went on to state that there is not a list of protected fighters. And he goes, I've said it a million times, it's the entire Strike Force roster. Uh, Dave Meltzer brought up a rumor that there was a list of protected fighters when he mentioned it on his podcast. I mean, take that for what it's worth. He feels that a lot of fighters are getting the raw deal because they're almost condemned to second-class status. Uh, Dana White also made sure to remind people that there will be no crossover for the time being. Strikeforce fighters whose contracts have expired would either have to re-sign with Strikeforce or test the open market. They cannot sign with the UFC since they made an agreement with Showtime not to poach Strikeforce talent while Showtime is involved with them. I really don't understand how that works, considering, you know, they got Nick Diaz there. They got a couple of guys from Strike Force already. Um, very, very, very strange setup they have. But if he says that nobody's going to cross over, nobody's going to cross over. Right now, of course, one of the guys that everybody's talking about is Gilbert Melendez from the light. He is the Strike Force lightweight champion, wants to make the move to the UFC. Um, and Dana White said that he's going to make it right. People are going to be happy, including Gilbert. He said, I've got this thing worked out, I've got it figured out, and it's going to be good for everybody. It's going to be good for the fighters, it's going to be good for Showtime, and it's going to be good for Strikeforce. Trust me, I got this. 
Now, obviously, Dana White's not a guy to to bullshit the fans, you know, a lot. I mean, he's done it once or twice, but in, in all honesty, if the guy says he's going to try and do something with Strike Force, then I, I think he should. Honestly, I think you have a, a, a deep women's division. You got a, a lot of great talent down there. Give them the fights. I mean, the Zufa roster is huge. Why don't you start signing some of these guys to Strike Force, especially guys that might be have one or two fights left. Maybe they win, maybe they lose. If they lose, hey, you know, instead of cutting them, say, listen, you know, you put on some really great performances, but you've lost three fights. You know, if you want to re-sign, maybe you could sign with Strike Force. You know, we're going to have to release you for now, but maybe in a couple of months we'll sign you to Strike Force. There's a lot of guys that I think would benefit from going to Strike Force. I mean, Bellator always is going to have space for these guys, but Strike Force still has a, a market that should be embraced, especially on Showtime. But, you know, the, the deal they got in place, I believe, goes through one more year, and after that year's over, there's there's almost a, a strong possibility that that's going to be the end of that promotion for sure. We shall see how it unfolds, but definitely keep an eye on Strike Force. Like I said this past weekend, prove that the organization still has fight left in them. They got some really great fighters that are there putting on exciting fights. And of course, Ronda Rousey and the rest of the ladies in there, Misha Tate, maybe Gina Carano, who knows, Chris Cyborg. They're ready to rock and roll and deliver some exciting fights. So please, if you got Showtime, do yourselves a favor. Check out Strike Force. Support the organization so that Zufa can actually ta- make some investments and give us better cards. Simple as that. All right. I'm going to take a quick commercial break because I need a drink of water. When we get back, we are going to talk some wrestling right after this. Oh, hey, how are you? My name is Blaine. I run a podcast called Boardstopper Radio. If you like to hear people talk about things, go to Boardstopper.com to listen to Boardstopper Radio. It's an inconsistent podcast that might show up once or twice a month, but hey, guess who wins? You do. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the kick-ass commercial, Blaine. Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, let's open things up with the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which had a really, really decent number of, of enjoyable matches. The pre-show match with Kofi and R-Truth taking on Hunico and Camacho was actually surprisingly a fun match to watch. I think that Hunico and Camacho have a, a, a place in the tag team division. They really should be used more, especially because Hunico is a really good wrestler. Camacho's wrestling ability, we just don't get to see enough of him to give us any insight into if he's really good or not. I mean, he'll come in there for a little bit, but it's nothing too crazy. I think that they, they can build the division around those guys, uh, Truth and, and Kofi, and maybe a couple of other guys that you can throw together or just establish some new tag teams. I think you got the potential there for, for some awesome matches. Like I said, Hunico is, is a tremendous wrestler. Even though he's stuck in this, you know, Vatos Locos fucking Conan gimmick, the guy, the guy is a great performer. He's exciting to watch. And it, it was a solid opener. The Money in the Bank match on the SmackDown side of things had, Chris, uh, had Christian, Santino, Sin Cara, Tyson Kidd, Cody Rhodes, Dolph Ziggler, Tensai, and Damian Sandow. With the amount of bodies in this match, I have to admit that there were some amazing 
amazing spots. Uh, Tyson Kidd, of course, doing some crazy shit. Tensai powerbombing Sin Cara onto a bridge ladder was ridiculous. I thought he brought, he injured that guy. Um, I was very apprehensive about Tensai being involved in this match because, again, you know, he's like the big wrecking ball and he really seemed out of place, but he really looked competitive and he looked great in the match and he wasn't trying to be more than what he was. He was trying to just be the psychotic big man that they got on the SmackDown side and he delivered. He did really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. Ziggler winning is something that was well-deserved. I think Ziggler's ready to make that jump to the main event. Uh, Sin Cara, once again, taking an awesome bump. Tyson Kidd showing that he can hang. I, I, even Sandow, for, for the amount of time he was involved in the match, he did, he did pretty good. He did pretty, pretty fucking good. We had a segment with the return of The Miz, announcing that he will be in the Raw Money in the Bank match, which was a shocker to me. Definitely glad to see The Miz back. Uh, he looked motivated, refreshed, coming off doing the Marine film. Hopefully that translate in, that translates into... Uh, possible push for him, especially l- getting closer to the release of the movie. I think the Miz is a great he- is a great heel, but if booked properly, can make an awesome face as well. Especially if he's like an anti-hero along the lines of CM Punk, he'll do very well. Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus's match was pretty formulaic. Sheamus, of course, retained. Uh, Del Rio is just just fucking boring. Holy shit! What a boring fucking dude. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't sit there and watch him fucking wrestle. It, it's just boring. I feel bad in saying it, but it just doesn't work. I don't know if it's just because of his of his wrestling style or what, but it... Ugh. Definitely not the high point of that match. Uh, we had the Goya brothers taking on the primetime players, whose music, of course, I played. Um, Primo ended up getting the victory on Darren Young. Uh, the PTP, another great group of guys that you can build your tag team division with. Of course, the Goya brothers as well. Look, I really don't hate Chaco Cena and Titus O'Neil. I don't. But you got to give them a little bit more than the kind of catchy music in AW. I mean, AW is a throwback to the old managers like Slick, uh, Mr. Fuji, guys like that that would come out. Uh, proved to be distractions in the match to help their 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 guys win, but there just needs to be more competition for the tag teams. Simple as that. I mean, we've seen the Goya brothers take on the PTP a couple of times already. You know, maybe the Usos, and of course, like I said, uh, Hunico and Camacho. So you got a couple, but you need to just try and give people fresh matches. Like honestly, uh, the PTP taking on Hunico and Camacho would have probably been a solid match. Uh, you could have done something maybe with Primo and Epico taking on um, Truth and Kingston. Just because at least it'll switch it up. Give people fresh matches that they haven't seen in a bit. I don't know. Just If you're going to do something, do it right. The no DQ match with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Once again, another four-star classic with a beautiful spot at the end. Uh, top rope back superplex through a table. Daniel Bryan fucking murder death killed by CM Punk. These guys will always give you the best matches, bar none. The only issue I have with it is that, again, they're just squeezing it way too much. And honestly, I think we're we're in line for putting the belt on Brian, just because it'll give CM Punk a little bit of time out of the spotlight to kind of reinvigorate himself and become the pipe bomb dropping guy that he was last summer. 
I think maybe do a program with, with somebody that will test him and, and put him on edge would work. I think it's run its course with Brian at this point, and Brian should have got the belt just to do something a little different instead of just keeping it on Punk. But what can you do? AJ wasn't completely annoying in the match. I think removing her out of the match and then having her come back worked well. Um, she really didn't factor in too much, but it definitely added that that aura of you know shenanigans that were waiting to happen. I really enjoyed the match more than I thought I would. Um, like I said, I would have rather Brian get the belt, but what can you do? Ryback took it upon himself to kill Kurt Hawkins and Tyler Rex on pay-per-view. Uh, Tyler Rex ended up eating the shell-shocked finisher and got the three. Again, just a mauling by Ryback as usual, which um, I want to get into what happened with him on Monday with Jack Swagger. But again, just another squash. I'm waiting for them to feed him three. I don't know when the fuck that's going to happen, but they need to pull the trigger on that soon. The Divas match, pretty much I got up and went and made myself a snack because it was just a train wreck. Uh, Layla Caitlin, Tamina Snuka took on Beth Phoenix, Natalia, and Eve Torres. Just a complete clusterfuck. You got Phoenix and Natalia that can wrestle, Tamina, who's pretty good, and Caitlin, who's come along. But it just it just seemed out of place, thrown together, and it just didn't work. It really didn't work. I mean, Layla secured the victory with a neckbreaker on Beth Phoenix, but it just wasn't a match that worked well on pay-per-view. It just felt like something that was rushed and thrown together to fill time. Last but not least, the Raw main event, John Cena, Jericho, Big Show, Kane, and The Miz had a lot of really decent spots. It was not better than the SmackDown Money in the Bank. I'm sorry, it was not. And as many of you expected, and as it panned out, John Cena was the winner of the Money in the Bank contract. And of course... We, for those of you that watch Raw Monday, you know exactly when he's cashing it in, and we're going to get right into that. So, let's hit Raw. Raw started off, as usual, with a nice little promo from CM Punk, which actually led to a very, very solid promo from The Big Show. I was very impressed with the promo work from The Big Show, pretty much telling Punk that he's going to be forgotten as soon as Cena cashes that in. And, you know, of course, CM Punk really, really clowned The Big Show. Clowned him. He said that The Big Show is a bitter, underachieving shell of a man who just happens to be a giant. It, it was it was just masterful promo work from the Big Show. I was very very impressed um, with the opener. Usually opening promos on Raw are hit and miss, but for some reason that just worked. It worked very well. Uh, the first match of the night was the PT, the PTP taking on Truth and Kingston for the tag team titles. Um, of course, turns out Truth secured himself the victory, and that's pretty much it. But uh, the primetime players they're definitely stepping their game up. Uh, A.W. was irate when, when the match was over. And um, who can blame him? I mean, you know, it was a nice bit of storytelling on their part to make the manager a little bit more involved other than just being a guy on the outside. Uh, again, you can't have these matches every week. If the, if the primetime play is lost, let's, let's start setting up something else. But let's keep them in the hunt, either interfering in the matches or something to get themselves a rematch. 
there's definitely room there for a solid story if it's done right. Now, Zack Ryder got squashed by Alberto Del Rio. And of course, you guys know my feelings on Alberto Del Rio. And I can go into a whole long diatribe about how he is a steaming, boring pile of fucking shit. But here's the thing that I did not like. WWE announced their partnership with Tout uh, last week. And, they've got, and they're going to great lengths to promote it. And one of the funny things about the build-up to this match with Ryder and Del Rio was the fact that they were talking about all the great things that Ryder has accomplished with social media and blah, blah, blah. And then they used that, uh, you know, they were saying that he was one of the first guys and all this shit. And then they plugged Tout. And right after they did that, and they did this great job of saying Zack Ryder was a social media ambassador, they just served him to Del Rio for the squash. Why would you do that? Zack Ryder's at a point where... He is loved on social media, has a great knowledge of it, and he can be an asset. This is the kind of guy that you send to like the MTV Video Awards with, with his little camera. And he's like, hey, man, it's Zack Ryder's Z True Long Island story. We're over here at the MTV Movie Awards. And you can make, make something better of his character, especially because he's so, so into social media. You can have him be that ambassador that gets it out there, whether it's via YouTube or Twitter or even Tout. Zack Ryder can be utilized better. Serving him up to Del Rio in what was basically a squash is not the way to go. Del Rio doesn't need it, and every loss like that just makes Ryder look weak. It's ridiculous. Of course, this squash was the setup for Rey Mysterio's return. Obviously, they were playing up the fact that Del Rio injured him, and he's coming back to seek his revenge. I want to talk a little bit about the tout service, because everybody's talking about tout like it's this huge brand new thing when i went to blog world in june i actually met with the vp of tout very nice lady and we were talking about how tout can be used with my take radio and how it can be implemented to deliver our message in a different way to our followers this was in june tout is not a secret but since wwe threw some money at it they're making it one of their platforms to deliver their social media message. Now, the worst part about that is that you have these tout messages being pushed out by guys like John Cena. The videos look grainy. They look kind of shitty. And I mean, it's cool that these guys are doing it, but the guy that should be spearheading that is Zack Ryder. Period. If you build that type of an engagement with a service that thrives on social media interaction, Zack Ryder should be at the forefront. Regardless of how you feel about the guy, he was the first guy that got himself over with the internet before getting himself over with the fans. It's something that should not be discounted. Seriously. I was, I was really fucking bummed out when I saw that. Now, with regards to Tout, you will be seeing us use Tout. And I want to let you guys know this now in advance on July 19th that we have been u- involved with Tout since blog world in june so when people start start seeing touts from my take radio i want to make sure that it's firmly established that we were fucking with tout before the shit blew up simple as that we were i don't put out touts like that because i don't really have access to sit to standing somewhere and doing a quick video if i'm gonna do them i'm gonna do them at home and there's really nothing crazy that i want to do i don't want to sit here and go hey it's rich i'm sitting here watching raw it sucks this week. Thanks. You know, that's not my, I don't want to sit there and tout that because I can do that on the fan page and more people can do it. 
Tout is a great service. And when I find a way to really bring that full circle into the MTR universe, we're going to do a lot of crazy shit. Until then, I will support the platform because, again, it's a really great way to get your message out there. But it's not hot because WWE made it hot. It's hot because it, it was already there and WWE threw money at it and put it on TV. That's it. Simple as that. If you guys want to look us up on, on Tout, just look Tout.com. I believe it's forward slash My Take Radio. And you can subscribe to our Tout updates and we'll start doing some stuff. Who knows? Maybe I'll fucking do vi- cat videos. We'll see. Something. But we do have a presence there. And we also have a presence on Instagram. I mean, that's mostly me. But there is stuff for the show there as well. So I don't, I don't mention it often. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Rich underscore MTR. Moving on, Heath Slater, of course, his continued gripes with the legends that are scheduled to show the, to show at Raw 1000. Uh, this week, we were treated to Rikishi making his return, and you knew that somebody's nose was going to sniff somebody's ass, and ladies and gentlemen, that was Heath Slater. But the cool thing, the trip down memory lane that I liked was that after the match was over, Rikishi was celebrating, uh, the arena went black. When the lights went up, it was Rikishi dancing with his two sons, Jimmy and Jay Uso. It was really cool. Um, a lot of people are going to look at that segment and be like, oh, you know, fuck this. This is bullshit. But I really liked it because it was just the the nostalgia of Rikishi and, and just almost a uh, passing of the torch to the next generation. Like, hey, man, you know, we could come out here and entertain and have some fun and do something cool. And the crowd was really into it. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, fuck that segment. Fuck Rikishi. Um... Rikishi had a had a huge involvement in the WWE. I mean, he had that big angle with The Rock. He had that successful t- uh, two cool tag team, whether it was him and Grandmaster or him and Scotty Too Hotty. They they were they were hot for a while, selling a lot of merchandise. Not to mention the fact that Rikishi at one point also was the Sultan, who was a heel early on in the WWE run. So Rikishi's been around for a while. He's been tremendously influential in a lot of different storylines. He's not the ideal guy. He's not the guy that you're going to run out there and buy his shirt. But kids like him. It's entertaining for the PG product. I'm not going to be completely negative on fucking everything. Like I said, it was cool, man. It was nice to see him out there with his sons having a little fun with the crowd. The next match of the evening, we had Daniel Bryan and AJ. They took on Miz and Eve. Uh, Miz comes back, of course, in his little tag team match with Eve. Daniel Bryan and AJ win the match, but here's the thing that a lot of people may or may not have noticed. There was a moment where AJ made a little eye contact with The Miz where it kind of looked like, you know, she was kind of digging him and he kind of smirked back at her. So, with that said, and and again, I could be wrong, maybe we're going to start getting a a brand new Miz and Daniel Bryan feud. Maybe uh, The Miz will be the guy to interrupt the wedding this Monday. Who knows? But, I think it was a nice little Easter egg. You got to catch it, though. You got to catch it real close to see it with uh, AJ's exchange with The Miz. So we'll see how that pans out. Jack Swagger and Ryback had a match that really wasn't a fucking match. The bell didn't even ring. Uh, Swagger came out first. He got the jobber entrance. Ryback ran out. And they just started beating the fuck out of each other. The bell didn't even ring. I mean... It was ex- it was exciting to see Swagger kind of put, put Ryback on... on on defense a little bit, but it was cool that Ryback just fucking m- was gonna murder death, kill him. I mean, the the spy, the the hard power bombs, the spine busters. It was a very very physical exchange between them. 
Hopefully, this is the start to a really good feud as Ryback moves further and further up the card. Swagger is going to be a, an interesting opponent for him just because he doesn't have any mic work. Ryback doesn't really talk. So this is just going to be a feud built on physicality alone, which may work. I mean, it will. But I I liked where they went with it because they didn't make Jack Swagger seem like a complete jobber. And they also showed that Ryback, when tested, you know, he, he overcomes adversity well. So... In in the long term booking, it was something I I really liked. Uh, we had a nice little promo with Dolph Ziggler and Chris Jericho, very very nice, uh, leading to a code breaker from Chris Jericho to Dolph Ziggler. Hopefully, this is the start of a feud with those two guys. I think that those guys are are capable of generating fireworks. Not only that, but Chris Jericho has a lot to offer these up and coming guys. And if anybody can learn a thing or two from Jericho, it is Ziggler. I'd talk about the Brodus Clay and JTG match, but I, I just fucking can't. We know how it how it's going to end. CM Punk and the Big Show was exactly as you would expect, very formulaic, leading to a setup with Cena possibly coming out and cashing in the briefcase, which, of course, we all know Cena is an upstanding guy, and he's not going to do that. Ended up smashing the Big Show with the briefcase and telling CM Punk that he is cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase at the 1,000th episode of Raw next week. So there you have it, guys. You're going to see a, a, a title match on Raw. Will it change hands, though, is going to be the very interesting question. Not only that, but a lot of rumors are, are being put out that Cena actually will be the first guy to not win the belt after he cashes in the briefcase. Very interesting indeed. All right, I want to kind of get into TNA a little bit. I don't want to go into the particulars i just want to talk about a couple of of decent matches of course we still had the bound for glory series and it was also open fight night um one of the matches i want to talk about that i really enjoyed was mr anderson and aj styles i think um mr anderson still has a lot of gas left in the tank and hopefully we can get a title run out of him in tna i think he he's he's done pretty well the last few times he's had the belt but i think this is that moment where he can turn the corner and become a really really major force in the promotion i think a feud with him and austin aries would be really good um he had a really good match with aj styles that i was very impressed with also the rvd and christopher daniels match was also very enjoyable um christopher daniels did get the pin in that match but i i found it to be very competitive i really enjoyed it i think um rvd is another guy that he doesn't get enough credit he goes in there gives it a hundred percent puts over guys and doesn't complain also, we had a match with Magnus and Bully Ray. I think the Bully Ray train uh, continues to grow. I I can almost smell Bully Ray getting a belt next year. Um, I think he's there in terms of just being a, a really, really hated heel. Uh, he, channeling a little bit of that ECW heat he had when I used to see them wrestle at the Elks Lodge. I think it's there. It just needs a little bit more tweaking. But Bully Ray has tremendous potential to really be a huge heel in the in the heavyweight division last but not least we had an open fight night uh non-title match with austin aries and rude um the aces and eights came out and attacked everybody um it was it was very interesting to see them do that just because the aces and eights um you know they came out they attacked aries uh robert rude just hangs out and then they attack robert rude as well um you know, nobody made the save. It's very interesting to see what the payoff is going to be for the Aces and Eights. Of course, last week they beat up Hulk Hogan, 
and he is actually they actually use that assault to write off Hulk Hogan so that he can go and get another back surgery. I don't know if that back surgery is something that he needed to get or if it's something that's going to help him prepare for another in-ring run. But I honestly think that there was really no necessity to do that whole big contrived angle with Hogan. You could have just written him off saying he needed to get back surgery and be done with it. You know, at the end of the day, Hogan's going to work hard to get Hogan over. Simple as that. I mean, yeah, you know, he got attacked and he did it for the company, but... At the end of the day, it was more about Hogan and the Hulkster getting beat up by this terrible organization. So, you know, Hogan's on the shelf. The Aces and Eights are starting to become a a stronger presence on Impact. I'm really looking forward to seeing the big reveal of who the fuck it's going to be. But um, right now, it's not the most it's not the most terrible thing going on in Impact. I think that the uh, AJ Love Child storyline is the worst shit ever. That that is definitely not the move, but. What can you do, folks? Impact is slowly stepping their game up, but it's not great. It's it's improving from week to week, but it's not there yet. I mean, Destination X was was a shot in the dark, and it was it was perfectly executed. Let's get into some other wrestling news. Of course, with Raw 1000 this Monday, the big thing is: Are we going to see the setup for the Undertaker's potential opponent at WrestleMania 29? Now, a lot of people have been speculating that it might be John Cena. Brock Lesnar, or The Rock. But others are also saying that it's all going to be dependent on who The Undertaker wants to wrestle. Depending on who he wants to face, the two guys that he doesn't face are actually going to face each other at WrestleMania. So let's say for argument's sake he wants to pull the trigger and do something with Cena. Then we may get The Rock and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. We're going to have to keep an eye out for that Monday and see if that starts coming together. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Cena and The Undertaker because it's something different. And given the push that Cena's always been getting, it's almost it's almost something of a no-brainer that people are going to be split thinking that Cena's going to win because of his tremendous popularity with the fans or because they're going to want to keep the streak intact. I really would like to see the Brock and Rock uh, rematch only because it's something that I think should have happened at SummerSlam instead of him and Triple H. Only because, you know, they had that match at SummerSlam and Paul Heyman conveniently referenced that, which I shared on the Facebook fan page. Again, a little foreshadowing there, maybe, and it's going to be something we're going to have to look forward to this Monday. Also on tap for the 1000th episode of Raw, of course, the DX reunion. We got an IC title match with Christian. The Rock will be there. Daniel Bryan and AJ's wedding. The announcement of a new Raw GM. Bret Hart is rumored to be there. Foley. Roddy Piper, but the Charlie Sheen social social media ambassador angle as of right now is dead because he quit Twitter. So obviously they threw all their eggs in one basket and it bit them in the ass. In some TNA news, uh, the Wrestling Observer reported and Spike TV uh, that Spike TV canceled TNA Rewind after one week. Um, TNA Rewind was part of the three-hour TNA block. It was supposed to be. Uh, you know, a continued effort every week, but they pulled the plug on it a week in. It only it only scored a point two rating, which is a third of what Spike TV normally does in that time frame. So rather than than draw it, then drag it out, they cut their losses and kept it moving. Last bit of wrestling news is also coming from TNA, and that is that they announced that Chavo Guerrero has signed a deal with Impact Wrestling. He will be debuting Thursday, July twenty sixth, live on Spike TV. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, another WWE cast-off being signed. 
But I think that if you bring Chavo Guerrero in, you make him a force in the X division, putting over a lot of the young guys, that there's there's a great put there's potential there for some great matches. Now if TNA reverts to doing things old hat and Chavo comes in and everybody gets sacrificed to Chavo to get him over, to get a title run out of him, I think it's not gonna work the way they expect. Now if you're bringing Chavo in there to add some legitimacy to the X division, I'm fucking all for it. I think Chavo is a fantastic athlete, great mic work, and not for nothing, I really don't want to remember him as Kerwin White right before Eddie Guerrero died. I really would like to see his legacy cemented with something more than being the anti-Mexican pseudo-white guy. Definitely not the move. Not only that, but I just don't want him also to be considered the guy that was riding the coattails of his uncle's passing, which he was not, in my opinion, but just something that... A lot of people definitely have observed during his last WWE run. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. Let's get into some video games. All right, we got a lot going on on the video game front. The next Gears of War game usually... Uh, a, a game that's delayed tremendously is actually going to be seen a lot sooner than we think. Um, usually, I, I feel gear. I feel Gears of War games are released, you know, late November, going right into the holiday season to to capitalize on the rush. This particular game, which is going to be Gears of War Judgment, will be released in March of 2013. Uh, this was confirmed by Epic Games director Rod Ferguson, who confirmed the release window to X Play. This is going to be the first title in the series developed by the studio People Can Fly. Like anything else, I enjoy the Gears of War games. I think they have a really great story to tell. And I'm interested to see where they take it with uh, Baird and Coltrane. So be on the lookout for that. March 2013. And of course, it wouldn't be a Halo launch without a custom Xbox console to go with it. Halo 4, which will be released later on this year, will be joined by an Xbox console to match. Uh, This particular console is going to be exclusive, and it will include a 320-gig hard drive, two controllers, the headset, and the game, and the retail price is $400. So there you have it. I sincerely doubt anybody's in the market for another Xbox 360, but if you are a hardcore Halo fan and you got room for another Xbox, you can pick up that bundle later on this year for $400. We got some MPD numbers this month with some surprising entries. Um, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. Number 10, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number 9 was Battlefield 3. Modern Warfare 3 clocked in at number 8. Pokemon Conquest was 7. Batman Arkham City was 6. NBA 2K12 was number 5. Max Payne came in at 4. Diablo 3 was number 3. Ghost Recon Future Soldier was number 2. And get this, number 1. Most bo- most purchased game in June, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. Game sold 450,000 units, topping, of course, Ghost Recon and Diablo 3. But one of the things you have to consider is that DC Superheroes, uh, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes, was released on the 360, the Wii, the PS3, the DS, the 3DS, the Vita, and the PC all at once. So you had a complete saturation of the market that guaranteed that the game would have a good showing. Overall, the sales for the month of June ended at almost uh, $700 million. It is a decrease of 29% from last year. 
Also of note, hardware sales dropped 45% from last year, but they were up in the month of May. So very interesting. I think as more people are traveling and going out and doing different things, plus you have this huge influx of great movies, people are just buying less games. Simple as that. One thing that did go up, though, were sales of accessories. But part of the reason why accessories have gone up is because more people are buying points cards, point cards, and doing digital transactions as well. Just an, an asterisk there that's worth noting. But I'm very shocked that Lego Batman 2 was the number one game for the month of June. I actually thought maybe Ghost Recon's Future Soldier or maybe Max Payne would have been further up. But Lego Batman is your champ for the month of June. In some Sonic news, an Xbox Live and PSM porn of Sonic Adventure 2 was confirmed at Sega's Sonic Boom event. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a full-on HD remake that you'll be able to pick up on Xbox Live and PSN very soon. Sonic Adventure 2 was a game that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Definitely a game that I would take for a spin again, no pun intended. Uh, Just because of how fun it was to play and how beautiful the graphics were, I think that giving it the HD treatment is going to make the beautiful graphics that it's known for even better. So be on the lookout for a release date. As soon as I get it, I will post it on the fan page or mention it on air. In some other news, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is a bizarre fucking game indeed, will be debuting on Xbox Live and PSN uh, in August. August 21st for PSN, August 22nd for Xbox Live. Uh, The game was announced at Comic-Con. I haven't played JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in years. Uh, The game is getting a full HD makeover and, of course, online multiplayer. The original game was released in arcades, damn, in 1998. And a year later, it debuted on the on the PlayStation as well. It's based off a manga known as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I remember playing it, and I think I got it when I was working in the game store at the time. Yeah, 1998. Yeah, 1998, I was still working in a video game store in, in my neighborhood over here. And I ended up getting the game from a kid that sold it back to us. Um, I believe it was an import title at the time. And I was like, wow, this game is really fucking weird. So I ended up buying it. I played it for a bit. And I just, I just couldn't get into the, the characters and the weirdness surrounding them. But I think, you know, of course, I, I love fighting games. I love supporting fighting game culture. So I'll definitely give it a, another go around. Maybe when we debut uh, live streams and video on MTR TV, most likely next week, you may get some playtime with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure when I put up a first impression for the YouTube channel in August. We shall see, but I figured I would share that bit of news with you guys uh, in the video game segment. Last but not least, something I never thought I would play on any console is actually coming to the PS3 and the Vita, and that, my friends, is Foosball. The PlayStation blog announced that the Foosball 2012 will be launching on the PSN on Tuesday for $8, and if you have PS Plus, it's going to be 6 bucks. If you buy the game for the PS3, you will get, uh, buying the game will get you Vita and PS3 versions. It supports the move, and it also has cross-play support as well. So if you're into foosball and you want to try something a little different, you can pick it up on the PSN Tuesday for 8 bucks. PlayStation Plus for 6 Alright guys, that's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. Uh, be on the lookout for our new sponsor, Creaction. Uh, debuting on my take radio in august uh they actually are working on a brand new rpg which i will share with you guys closer to the release date uh once everything is finalized but they will be an official sponsor of the my take radio game segment 
do yourselves a favor, head over to the Facebook fan page, look up Creaction. Um, I'll make sure to link to them as well. Give them a like, show your support. Uh, they're going to be one of our sponsors going forward, and definitely check out their product. Let them know what you like, what you'd like to see, and also if you're interested in participating in the Kickstarter program to get the game published, there's going to be links for that as well going forward. Be on the lookout for that in the show notes and also on the fan page. All right, guys, let's get into some movies. Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? Sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? That just needed to get played, especially with The Dark Knight officially in theaters as of midnight. For those of you that are out there checking out The Dark Knight via midnight release or watching the trilogy in theaters, I am extremely envious of you fuckers, but... I will be checking out The Dark Knight either Saturday or Sunday, and I'm sure Slick will be checking it out tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that review later on this weekend. My Take Radio's movie segment is brought to you by Shop HBO. Get $5 flat rate shipping on all True Blood orders by entering the code SEASON5. Again, if you want to get some True Blood swag, t-shirts, True Blood bottles, etc., enter the $5 flat rate shipping code SEASON5. All right, first bit of movie news is something I consider slightly in the the what-the-fuck category, and that is that The Rock has confirmed rumors that he may be playing Lobo in an upcoming DC film. He confirmed the rumor on Twitter. He said, rumors of me possibly playing Lobo are true. Joel Silver and Brad Payton are working on it now. That could be fun. Hashtag Rock Talk. For those of you that don't know, Lobo is an alien who is also an interstellar mercenary and bounty hunter, um, he became really popular in the 90s. I mean, I like Lobo, Bastich, Lobo kills Santa Claus. Very cool shit. Um, a couple of things about it that I have an issue with. I really feel that The Rock is just not the guy to play Lobo. If The Rock can play any character, it's Black Adam in Shazam. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Black Adam is another super-powered uh, DC villain who is sometimes an ally or a friend of Shazam, uh, which is a superhero who his alter ego is a little boy um the rock looks like black adam and he just has the build to make that character work um there were always talks about a shazam film it kind of fizzled out a couple of times but i've always said that the rock would be the guy that you would want to check out as black adam in a shazam movie versus him playing lobo i just don't feel that he has the chops to pull that off Maybe with a lot of makeup and CGI, but it's just not going to look right. I don't think that, you know, The Rock's face works for a character like Lobo. Lobo is uh, he's a huge, brooding, muscular guy that, while The Rock is a big dude, I just don't think he has the build to pull that off. Another thing that got announced at Comic-Con that just creeped me the hell out was Arnold Schwarzenegger confirming that he is going to be doing a sequel to Twins. With Danny DeVito, aptly named Triplets. Uh, it's going to have him, DeVito, and more than likely, Eddie Murphy playing the other brother. So right now, Arnold is of course promoting The Expendables 2. But the the rumor is that he plans to start working on that once production wraps. 
I really have no idea what possessed Schwarzenegger or DeVito to even step into that franchise again. Um, when I watched Twins when I was younger, I found it to be quite amusing. I enjoyed it a bit. Nice trip down memory lane. It was very nostalgic. And whenever it's on cable, I always check it out. I sit there for a little bit and I watch it, but it's not something that deserves to be out there. I really don't think that audiences are going to embrace it the same way unless Eddie Murphy is 100% on fire for this particular movie. I just see it as being a complete failure. A couple of weeks back, we were talking about RoboCop and how they really are moving forward with it. At the San Diego Comic-Con, a couple of people told me they saw some posters showing the ED-209 unit that we all know was RoboCop's nemesis in the first film. Coming Soon actually gave us a synopsis of the RoboCop remake, which I'm going to share with you guys. Um, Basically, the film takes place in 2029. Uh, The multinational conglomerate is Omnicorp. And basically, they're they're using their drones to win American wars all around the world, but they want to bring their technology to the home front. Obviously, Alex Murphy uh, gets ki- gets critically injured in the line of duty, and Omnicorp utilizes all their science and robotics to save Alex's life, and we all know where that goes. It's being directed by Jose Padilla, from who did Elite Squad. Um, Joel Kinnaman from The Killing is going to be playing RoboCop. Gary Oldman will be playing the scientist that creates RoboCop. And last but not least, Samuel L. Jackson will be playing media mogul Pat Novak. You can expect to see RoboCop in theaters August 9th, 2013. It's scheduled to start production very soon. Um, I really am not a fan of this reboot. I'm sure it'll probably be enjoyable. I mean, based on what I've seen with Dread, um, I think it's going to be something that they're going to try and go really dark, really ultra violent, but the RoboCop character was so sullied after that, that third film that I really felt there was no redemption for him. I mean, they did the RoboCop TV series. They did the cartoon for a while and they kind of kept his name out there, but you got to do something really, really crazy to make audiences line up in droves to see RoboCop. Not only that, but most importantly, You cannot release RoboCop as a PG or PG-13 movie. It cannot fucking happen. RoboCop is extremely violent. Extremely. Putting it out in PG-13 or even PG is just a, a disservice to the franchise and a recipe for fucking garbage. I like the design for Ed 209. If I can find it online, I'll post it on the fan page so you guys can check it out. But I don't think that... A RoboCop reboot is necessary. I mean, maybe the effects are going to make it tremendously better, but you can't beat the first one. And honestly, who who's going to be out there saying that they're going to buy that for a dollar? I mean, that was one of those those trademark slogans that you're not going to be able to get away with with a PG-13 or PG movie. It's just going to be garbage at that point. So, in August 2013, we're going to find out if Jose Padilla gets it right or bombs terribly. I mean, Elite Squad is an awesome flick, so I think he will do it justice from an action standpoint. I just want to make sure that the studio is going to put out an R-rated production that won't be complete shit. Earlier this week, the internet was buzzing with a rumor that Jessica Biel was rumored to play Viper in the Wolverine film, but it seems that negotiations fell through and she will not be playing the role I honestly think Beale would have been a great, great Viper in a Wolverine film, obviously, now that she's uh, decided to pass on the role. 
there's a couple of other actresses out there I have in mind that would work. Uh, maybe uh, Olga Kurilenko would do really good as Viper. She's a pretty good actress. I mean, the Russian accent, you could have a little fun with that. She'd be a, a, a definite shoe-in for that role. I'm trying to think of another good uh, femme fatale. Maybe, I mean, you could use Rebecca Romaine Stamos, but she was used in X-Men already, so that may not work. Definitely a, a, a physical, a woman who's physical and is and is rough and tumble. As crazy as it is, I would, and her acting ability is, you know, after what I said about Haywire, Gina Carano would make a good Viper. I think she would. I think from a physical standpoint, um, she could hang with Wolverine in terms of the action and the fight scenes. Uh, thank you for the correction, Slick. She is Rebecca Romaine, no longer Rebecca Romaine Stamos. I forgot. I'm just so used to calling her that just from growing up and seeing her all over the place. Anyway, going back to what I was saying, uh, Gina Carano definitely would be good to play Viper, um, especially if her involvement is minimal since it's going to be mostly Silver Samurai, but you can throw her in there. Like I said, some good fights with Wolverine would definitely help flesh out her career and give her a little bit more of a boost after her work in Haywire. IGN reported earlier this week that uh, Kevin Tancher Rowan, who did Mortal Kombat Legacy, will be bringing out a second season, which you will be on the lookout for uh, very shortly. I believe early 2013 is what I'm hearing. This particular season is going to focus on the Mortal Kombat tournament. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with Mortal Kombat Legacy, it's an independent feature built around small mini films dedicated to each character. Uh, one of our previous guests, Michael Jai White, broke the news that he was going to be doing Mortal Kombat Legacy with Jax. I recommend you guys look on iTunes for that episode so you can hear the full interview there. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes with it. I, I said it for the longest time that the vision he has would translate well into a full film. Kind of not digging the fact that it's so many mini, so many mini movies as of right now, but hey... I'll take what I can, especially if they continue to do such a good job with it. But what can you do? I think that the tournament fight scenes are not going to be as detailed as you would expect, especially because they're you know they're mini films. But I'm looking forward to seeing characters like Scorpion and Sub Zero in action. Uh, Jax, of course. I'm hearing that we're going to see Baraka and Striker, Shang Tsung a little bit, Quan Chi. So be on the lookout for that. I believe those came out every Tuesday, so if they're going to do each fighter and they're going to do something based on that going forward, it's probably going to be something that's going to last at minimum three months, so we're going to be getting three months of mini Mortal Kombat films, which is all good in my book. All right, let's get into some box office totals. Shocker to no one, Ice Age, Continental Drift, dethroned The Amazing Spider-Man in the number one slot. Amazing Spider-Man got bumped down to number two. Ted was number three. Brave was number four. Magic Mike was five, Savages was six, which a lot of people are saying is a film that needs to be checked out. Uh, Medea's Witness Protection was seven, Katy Perry's Part of Me was eight, Moonrise Kingdom was nine, and Madagascar three was ten. It's very unfortunate that The Amazing Spider-Man got dethroned by a cartoon considering the the staying power that Spider-Man has had in the box office previously. I mean, the film has made $200 million thus far, and not for nothing... It can enjoy that $200 million because that number is going to get squashed by The Dark Knight Rises this weekend. From what I've heard already, the film has grossed $25 million in just pre-orders. Pre-orders, people. Pre-orders. 
That means that if you took just $25 million in pre-orders, it would be higher than Ted. Ted would be in the number four spot based on the box office numbers we have. It's going to be a tremendous weekend. We're going to see just how crazy these numbers are for Batman and how deep of a tumble the amazing Spider-Man will have. What, you know, will it end up top five or will it get thrown deeper than that? I mean, Ice Age is going to be up there. Uh, Ted may get a, a renewed focus. If anything, maybe box office after the weekend, uh, Dark Knight Rises one, Ice Age is going to be two, maybe Spidey at three and Ted at four. Who knows at this point since audiences are pretty fickle, but right now that's kind of how I'm seeing it. We'll see how it pans out next week. But Batman is a number one for sure. A bit of what the fuck movie news that kind of rears its ugly head every couple of months is the board game Ouija coming to the silver screen. Seems that they finally figured out what they want to do with it, but it's going to be used and done in the style similar to Paranormal Activity. Michael Bay will produce it, and it's going to be... Partly produced by Bloom House Productions with Jason Bloom. As of right now, Juliet Snowden and Styles White have been hired to rewrite and direct the film. Uh, Bloom and Bay will handle production duties. And um, Hasbro's president, uh, Brian Goldner and Bennett, Sh- and Bennett Schneer will also produce. As of right now, there's really no plot details, but they really are going to go with a big budget feel. Originally, they had wanted to do something with McG. That fell through, but as of right now, seems all bets are off that this film will not be getting shelved. On the contrary, it looks like we will be seeing it very, very soon because it is being fast-tracked. Another bit of superhero casting that we found out about earlier this week was Anthony Mackie joining the Captain America film, which is Captain America the Winter Soldier, in the role of Falcon, whose alter ego is Sam Wilson. For those of you not familiar with the Falcon character, he has appeared in numerous adventures with Captain America over the years. Obviously, the title, the title Winter Soldier confirms that Sebastian Stan will be returning and reprising his role as Bucky, which, of course, the Winter Soldier becomes Bucky's new alter ego after the accident that froze Captain America. Now, a lot of people are complaining that, oh, you know, why, why is Falcon being thrown into the Captain America film and not getting his own movie? Blah, blah, blah. Check this out, guys. We can't win them all. Not every character that appears in a Marvel film is going to get a movie. It's, 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 let's face facts. We don't see a Black Widow movie yet. We don't see a Hawkeye movie either yet. But really, you're going to do a movie about Falcon? I mean, you probably could maybe do something animated, something straight to video just to, to set it up. But it's not a necessity. There doesn't need to be a movie for every character. I even said that about Ant-Man. Who gives a shit? But he's getting his own movie. If there's any character that deserves their own movie that can tell some great stories, it's Black Panther. Black Panther's been a member of the Avengers numerous times. If anybody can tell a great story, it's Black Panther. Especially if the movie ends with him joining the Avengers. Simple as that. You want to do something even crazier? Power Man and Iron Fist. That shit works, and if anybody should play Iron Fist, Michael Jai White would make an awesome Iron Fist. I mean, an awesome Power Man, excuse me. He would definitely make an awesome Power Man, and and there's a part of me that would have liked... I kind of I, I kinda would have leaned towards maybe a Bradley Cooper as Iron Fist. And, eh, maybe? 
I, I think it would work. I think the dynamic is there, and that's an, another story that can kind of tie into some of the Marvel Universe movies that are going on right now, including Spider-Man and including the Avengers. But again, be happy that your characters are, that some of these household names are being shown and being given screen time. It's ridiculous. People, oh, why are they going to put the Falcon in there? Blah, blah, blah. Why couldn't they put, put the fucking guy in there? Who gives a shit? Anthony Mackie's a good actor, man. Let, let the guy try his hand at something different. We're going to see the future soldier in there. We know that's happening, but let a couple of other characters get some love, man. Jesus Christ. People complain about the worst shit. In a bit of sequel news that honestly I felt is just not needed. Uh, Deadline reports that John Carter's director, Andrew Stanton, will be on board for a Finding Nemo sequel. Finding Nemo made $867 million in 2003. So, I honestly consider this to be completely unnecessary. Finding Nemo was a great standalone film. What else are you going to do? Is it going to be his dad gets lost and Nemo has to find him? Seriously, I mean... I love Disney films. They do great things. Pixar does awesome stuff. But there's just some shit you gotta leave alone. Nemo does not need a sequel. Sorry. Shit doesn't. It does not. Movie Hole reports that they are looking to cast a, one of the villains in Kick-Ass 2. The woman's name, Mother Russia. Um, they're looking for an extremely tall and large 25 to 40 year old woman to fill the role. Um, basically her character is an ex KGB officer that's being paid weekly by red mist to fight in his group. Uh, they kind of describe her along the lines of a female bodybuilder, extremely physically imposing and muscular, but still feminine right now. They're looking for actresses at minimum six feet tall and over. Um, of course, McLovin, Christopher Mintz will be coming back as red mist, which was mentioned at comic con. So be, uh, shooting for the film is scheduled to start in September. I'm honestly looking forward to it. I enjoyed Kick-Ass greatly. I love the comics as well. And I think that already by bringing back the original cast, it's a step in the right direction. And I sincerely hope that they get some good casting for the uh, Mother Russia character if she's going to be a bigger presence in this new film. Slick brought this to my attention earlier when I was doing show prep and I actually had notes regarding it. There is a plan, according to The Hollywood Reporter, to reboot fucking Jumanji. Do you guys don't remember that? That was the board game movie with Robin Williams. Bonnie Hunt, I think, was in it. Kristen Dunst was in it as well. Um, they're going to reboot and reimagine Jumanji, and they're looking to do something with that starting later on this year. Of course, also in that same call, Columbia Pictures uh, president stated that besides the Jumanji reboot, They're already working on bringing Spider-Man 2 back. Um, He did say that they're really trying to uh, make it work so that Mark Webb comes back. Um, But if there are any obligations, you know, that he has to take care of, maybe he'll take care of that first before doing Spider-Man 2. But right now, Mark Webb is 50-50, ladies and gents. Also, they did talk about the fact that 21 Jump Street is getting a sequel and we we may even be getting another Men in Black. How's that for sequel news? A Jumanji reboot, uh, director speculation for Spider-Man 2, a 21 Jump Street sequel, and of course, Men in Black 3, which is going to get a sequel. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be aptly titled Men in Black 4, or More Men in Black, or Black Men in Black. Who the fuck knows at this point? But seriously, you did three of them. 
What are you going to do? Tommy Lee Jones is like five minutes away from being in the fucking grave. What are you going to do? Are you going to kill him off? Maybe give maybe give Will Smith a new partner, make it young and hip? How about Justin Bieber as one of the men in black at this point? Seriously, it's run its course. Three movies. Let the shit go. And of course, as I mentioned, you know, Sebastian Stan has signed his contract stated that he would be involved in six films with Marvel. So he it has been 100% confirmed that he will be playing Bucky in Captain America the Winter Soldier. Um for those of you not familiar, the Winter Soldier um is Bucky's alter ego. He gets a bionic arm and becomes an assassin uh for the Russians later on in the mythology for Captain America, he ends up actually assuming the mantle of Captain America, so it should be very interesting to see where they go with that story. I I like where they're going with just new characters like Falcon, Winter Soldier, guys that are very important to Captain America's universe. Uh, You can throw characters like the Serpent Society in there, one of my favorites being Crossbones. You can throw characters like that in there, MODOK. I'd consider MODOK more of, I think, a Captain America villain that, I mean, a, an Iron Man villain more than a Captain America villain, but still, I mean, I like where they're going. I like that they're trying to just bring out some of those great stories that have really gave these characters kind of a, a, a fresh start. I mean, the Winter Soldier storyline in Captain America was amazing, amazing from start to finish, of course, leading to the quote-unquote death of Captain America, which allowed the Winter Soldier to assume that mantle. I... Like I said, I think that going in this direction is the way to go, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Marvel does with it. All right, that actually wraps up the show for this week. We had a uh, pretty quiet night. Like I said, that's what happens during the summer. Not too many news, not too many things uh, that are rage-worthy, but still uh, enough stuff to talk about this week. All right, as a quick reminder, we will have... uh, formal sponsor announcement August 2nd for MTR 149 actually is that 149 yeah should be for 149 and we'll give you guys all the details for that but I will tell you to go and follow the crew at Creaction because they will be involved as an MTR sponsor for the gaming segment if you're interested in advertising for MT- with MTR whether it's for segment sponsorship or on-air advertising, definitely drop me a line at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We have some awesome advertising packages that will not only let you advertise on-air, but also on the site. Uh, Right now, we have sponsorship slots open for the MMA segment, the movie movie segment, and also for the wrestling segment. So if you're interested in promoting your brand and or product to a super dedicated audience, drop us a line, mtrhost at MyTakeRadio.com Alright, time to wrap it up and get out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 147 for Thursday, July 19th, 2012. If you want to leave a message on our feedback line, the telephone number is 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. If you want to follow us on any social media networks, let's go down the list. You can follow me on Twitter at my take radio. You can also follow me at Instagram at rich underscore MTR. Become a fan on Facebook. Hit the like button on facebook.com forward slash my take radio. 
And of course, if you're on Google+, add us to your circle there. We also answer questions on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash radio. Check us out there. Last but not least, get the MTR app for Android and iOS devices. For Android, you can go to the Amazon Marketplace, pick it up there for $1.99. Gives you access to 96K stereo episodes and exclusive content as well, um, including some of our app-only interview series. You're also going to get mobile wallpapers and a ton of other cool stuff. We're looking into probably doing some video shows that we're going to make exclusively for the app. That's something we're working on as well. So be on the lookout for that. Last but not least, you can also catch MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, TuneIn Radio, and any of your other podcast directories. Please do us a favor if you are getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment to rate and review the show. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us get further up the rankings, which allows us to reach new audience members and continue growing the show we put together for you guys every week i'll catch you guys next week as always you can hit us up on the fan page if you got any comments questions or concerns or via email as well catch you guys next week thanks for listening peace taking us out this week we're gonna go with pulling punches make sure to check out their album at pullingpunches.bandcamp.com actually scratch that uh make sure to check them out on facebook facebook.com forward slash pulling punches and also look for them on twitter twitter.com forward slash pulling punches and the song taking us out this week is going to be another dance by pulling punches (laughs) 